Welcome everyone to this week's episode on Inquisitor's Odyssey. We're your hosts, Sam and Tawanda. This week we're talking about tech and more specifically this idea that technology is our best bet to solving most of our problems and creating a modern utopia. But what exactly does that mean and what are the things that it entails? Care to elaborate, Eddie? So the idea of techno-utopianism is the belief that if we can just improve our technology enough, right, which is more than just tools and machines, but if we can improve all the overall technology that we have in our world, then we can in some way create or at least come close to having a perfect society. Because obviously this is when we're looking into the future. So if we look into the past, can we really say that technology has made the world so much better that we can actually look forward and have hope that it's gonna get so much better just as long as our technology is improving well i can't really speak to the degree of good that it has brought i guess that's subjective depending on who you ask but i think even the basic tools that we built during the old times it was always with the intent of you know making things easier making doing things more efficient and things like that and i really don't see much bad in being more efficient and doing things and also connecting people but there is also that element of human flaw when we interact with those tools and technologies so i feel like even the bad that does come from the technology that we do see in the world it's kind of like this side effect of our flaws when we're interacting with the technology so we kind of in a sense corrupt the technology yeah i remember having this vision of a future where i think i'd asked myself the question what really are we trying to achieve or what's the end goal when we improve our technology so much like all this constant improvement and advancement and i came to this conclusion that maybe something that we're striving towards is a future where human beings don't have to do anything right we don't have to work we don't have to go into farms to farm our own food or going to factories to make our products going to mines to extract raw materials and all of that can be done using our technology and then we would be free to just live explore living but that it's one of those things that maybe seems like a good idea on paper but in reality you would find that no one's gonna like that and like you're saying in such a world where we become so overly dependent on technology there is the very real concern that with advancements in artificial intelligence and everything right the hope is that the technology kind of gets to a point where it can take care of itself and we are just there benefiting from what it can do while it's a self-maintaining system which is a noble idea but we create the technology in the first place and that means our corrupting influence like you're saying is always going to be there yeah i agree our corrupting influence is always going to be there but i think the idea of for example automating things and making it so that we don't have to do those tasks i think we're moving towards other things instead of doing those things that we're automating so i mean 
Imagine the time we spent farming by hand and how long that would take to actually feed a whole country. The amount that you can produce in a year or the amount you can farm in a year, like the amount of yield you get in a year, it's kind of different when you actually have the logistics to actually use the technology and not like pure manpower. Like you know, that, that, that is also kind of limited based on your based on your capacity and other people's capacity. So I think we're kind of automating those things in order for us to maybe spend our time doing other things. So now maybe you can farm other things as well. Like that will give you more yield in a year than you would if you didn't have the technology. Uh, and maybe even our, I guess, our generation's privilege to actually think about space exploration is, is that we kind of have this sense of handling most of the menial things on earth so that we can kind of move towards other things and exploring not just you know sit in our couches and eat your potato chips and watch netflix all day but we kind of move towards what i would hope to be greater things so you know like spending our time chopping wood with an axe like we have also so that we can actually save time do other things you know actually get the house built in a year instead of two years if you were just doing it by by the axe and then that will give you more time to do other things you know maybe build twice as much instead of doing things without technology yeah i think my concern with this picture is just what do people do when they've got nothing to do at all when you can sit at home because i think that's the idealist society that's shown from i know like the jetsons or even star trek you know in the future where we don't have to make any of the things that we need for our day-to-day survival right these are just provided to us you walk up to a wall you choose what meal you want and it just materializes in front of you something like that and it's shown as an as something to strive towards but then what do people spend the day doing because i feel like when we don't have anything to do it's not a very good state for us to be in and at the same time you feel like those other things that like you said it's freeing us up to do other things some of those things maybe not everyone can do them like we have to also acknowledge the fact that there are certain people whose talents or skills are not really let's say mental right this is not the kind of person who's going to walk into a lab and sit in front of a computer and work on the software to make sure that these robots are working properly not everyone is going to be able to do that so you wonder what about the rest of those people but also there's this image like from the black panther right if you watch the black panther when they go down to wakanda you find that this is some hyper advanced technological society right they've got all this technology they could need and yet you find their people on the streets selling handmade reed baskets and all of that that kind of stuff that's you know arts and crafts that you could probably automate and make with your technology like you could make a robot that could do that but maybe you're trying to preserve some of your culture by allowing people to continue doing that i don't know what you think about that synthesis of the technological future but also holding on to the past so to start with your first point i think i can understand that i guess the average person maybe can't find 
things to do or if we've kind of like automated everything and everything is done for you you don't need to make food nobody is getting paid to make food everything you need is like like you described is coming out of a wall so definitely a lot of jobs will be lost and that will definitely leave a lot of people just i guess with with the opportunity to just stay home and not do anything which i guess most people would take but i think given the current system if things don't really change that much which i doubt i mean by that time i think a lot of things will change but there will still be that need to that need to i guess work because i don't think anything will be like completely free anyways it will still be you buying those things from from the wall basically so there has to be some kind of way that you can make money and that will be kind of dictated with the demand so i think more and more people will have to i guess go towards the stem fields more specifically narrowing into the tech field yeah that seems like the trajectory if we do get to that point but yeah there's yeah i think it's pretty complicated because i don't know maybe the workforce will be, workforce will be saturated with too many people getting into tech but i don't know it seems like a future that i can't really fathom because it's i don't know it's really different and all the nitty gritty stuff will definitely be complicated and yeah considering the art people yeah that's going to be tough because of know, machine learning and all the ai that can i don't know probably at that point mimic human emotion maybe even passion i don't know and creativity i mean we're kind of i don't know if we're going to move towards that but then like i said i can't really fathom because it's so far in the future and who knows what might happen but i i can see the meritan actually preserving the, the culture basically of having handmade stuff and things like that but i feel like we're we're already kind of moving away from that if you look at all the the clothes and all the fabrics that you wear that you, if you, if you see it then it's like i'm <laughs> like 98% sure that none of it is handmade it's all in the factories just being made i mean you're not wearing a handmade t-shirt or things like that so i feel like we've kind of moved away from that already but at that point where technology has kind of dominated our society we'll see less and less and less of it and i'm really not sure if we can preserve it yeah yeah so you touched on something important there because like when you say we're going to have to be paying to the walls right basically <laughs> paying to the walls to get food i would think why do we have to pay but also just if we're having people who own these let's say the technology that's bringing food to your house or something like that and all of this technology is going to know so much about you right and I feel like a lot of people would be concerned about regulation of such technology, right? And how much access you're giving this technology that's in your house that knows what you eat, knows what music you listen to, knows what you watch, who you talk to, 
how long you talk to them when you talk to them it's so many aspects of your life that are in the hands of this technology and by extension the person who controls this technology and even just i think another concern would be over dependence on technology and where do we draw the line to say this technology has become too much of a crutch and we're almost incapable of functioning without it because even right now you find that we're almost incapable of functioning without our phones our devices all of them you just think even a few hours without it is like you lost a limb or something and yeah i feel like that is a genuine concern and as for our clothes yeah they're not probably not handmade and to some extent that's fine but i think the concern would be let's say the people who used to make those clothes now where are they because i don't think you really enjoy just sitting at home if it's indefinite right i mean we saw it with this lockdown like after two months or something like at first everyone was like yay we're working from home and then after like a month or two people just started saying okay but when can we go out and people ended up in the streets protesting because of that because they wanted to be able to go back to work because i don't feel like you really enjoy a vacation if it's indefinite or even if you're staying at home and it's like you'd probably be able to do everything you'd ever wanted because when you mentioned paying i still don't see why you would have to pay because if we're talking about let's say when you mentioned technology that's gonna be creative right when you've got artificial intelligence that's creative then certainly this artificial intelligence will be able to maintain itself probably most probably so you've got technology that's able to one maintain itself it can farm it can process all of those materials the food that you farmed and it can be turned into food and maybe that food can be delivered straight to your home it's like that whole process even the transport delivery everything is automated so who exactly are you paying because now it just starts to seem criminal if some guy in his house is getting the profits from a process where he does absolutely nothing which kind of like what you already have but i won't get into that so the reason i mentioned paying is that given this time as our starting point when we start moving towards this technological utopia i don't see how the technology would allow us to have everything for free it's like some company is probably going going to develop or a bunch of companies are gonna come up with technology like you know google's working on machine learning i'm sure facebook and all the other big companies are working on it so i feel like the technology will come from them and they'll kind of i don't know dish it out to certain people i don't know how we're going to progress to you know being fully maintained by by artificial intelligence like where the whole world is maintained by artificial intelligence but for the most part i feel like it's it is going to be a thing that's going to profit a certain company in the beginning so i mean not everybody is going to get access to it for free and at least in the beginning so you'd have to work at first it would just be like a perk or like a, 
a luxury kind of thing. Like you, you'd pay for this wall that gives you food, but then I mean, yeah, you're buying the food. Like it's that process of you getting the food that I was mentioning that you're going to pay. Because I mean, you, you don't own the farms and you don't own the food, so I guess you'd have to pay somebody to get the food or pay for groceries. If, if the AI is gonna make you food. Then I still feel like there will be a certain element of transaction, unless we kind of move towards this universal basic income that's able to sustain everybody. But then, yeah, yeah, there's so many possibilities that we can go into. But I think if we do keep this paying thing, like where you have to pay for things, it will let people have a sense of because they'll, they'll have to get into jobs they'll have to like contribute to something and they will be like able to just sit and sit on their couch and not do anything which I think in any kind of society or in any sense even if you don't have all the technology if you just have universal basic income right now then if it's able to sustain you then yeah I guess everybody will just want to stay at home because they just keep getting checks every day I mean every month or something and then they can live off that and as for the regulation of the technology i don't know if the government or the international laws are gonna like step in and be like yeah we have to see what yeah so with that first point that definitely people will probably because like you're saying, we're transitioning from a place where there are people who own this technology, right? And it's not just going to be given to people, right? It's not like one day Apple is just going to wake up and say, oh, hey, guys, our phones are now free, you know, because our whole process is now automated. That's unlikely. So this brings another concern, which is just when you have an increasing gap between the people who have money and the people who don't have money to afford these technologies, because what usually ends up happening is that I think the most common example that people use is genetic modification, right? When you're editing human genes, you end up having a situation where I'm already a privileged person today and I can afford to have a quote-unquote designer baby and i have a child whose genes have been edited so that they are faster smarter stronger than let's say poor kids right then this child is going to grow up and the ceiling for what they can achieve is going to be so much higher for those that are at the bottom that they can compete and this child is already going to use that advantage to pass it on to the next generation and onto the next generation and the next generation and what you end up with is a whole generation of these children who started out because they had an advantage when a certain technology was put into effect and then now that advantage that they have is like piling on top of itself and increasing this gap between the people who can afford these new technologies and the people who can't so in that sense you kind of worry that you end up with this dystopian world where some people like a one percent have all of these new innovative technologies they've got self-driving cars they've got robot butlers in their houses they've got they can edit their genes and all of that and everyone else can't access that and that is i've seen like facebook and 
I think it's SpaceX, but I know Starlink with Elon Musk. They've been trying to spread the internet to poorer places in the world because what happens is that the internet has given so many people so many opportunities. People on YouTube, podcasters, and everything, you know, Instagram models. People are on the internet using it to improve their lives. But already these are people who are in a good position, people who had access to the internet, people who could build on that. But then there are people who don't have that advantage and they're going to be left so far behind that by the time they catch up, by the time they say, oh, yeah, now I've got super fast internet, I can go on YouTube, I can take an online course or something. Everyone else is so far ahead that they just can't catch up, they can't compete. So that's also a concern of this gap, this widening gap between, because when these technologies start out, they're going to be you know new and expensive and not everyone is going to be able to access them and that might present a problem and yeah you're definitely right about the issue with regulation and the fact that you have let's say a government trying to regulate a technology that they don't even understand you have these tech ceos i think even recently apple ceo tim cook and the other heads i think it was maybe facebook and google too they had to testify in front of congress and it was about that about the power that they have but you're trying to explain this to someone who doesn't really have a solid grasp of both what the technology can do and how it works and even how it could be limited or restricted to comply with whatever they wanted to comply with so it's really difficult because we're kind of working with these laws that weren't structured to be dealing with the kind of technology that we have today and we're kind of all just scrambling they're scrambling trying to figure out how they can tweak those for them to be effective on this whole new kind of technology and as far as over dependence and manipulation goes i do think that it's very risky for us to become so dependent on a technology that can be taken away from us and i think almost every year they are usually minor but we have solar storms and they cause power outages around the world and it's usually not major it's like a small area and it's like a blackout for a few hours but there's always been this idea of the big one the big solar storm that could send us back to the freaking stone age or something right because it could fry all our electric grids on the planet and we might have to learn to do without our technology and that it's an apocalyptic scenario that's unlikely but i do feel like having a dependency on a technology or on something that can be taken away from you is it's very risky you see the whole idea of natural selection and evolution is that you develop the skills that help you to survive but when you reach a point where you can manipulate the world around you and make it so that you can survive in it without the skills then if whatever crutch you're using to survive can be taken away from you then you're definitely at risk and as for manipulation it's that's a whole other dimension of how these technology companies can use information about you let's say amazon if you're let's say you're streaming on amazon prime tv they could use information of what shows you stream to know what things to suggest to you when you go on amazon 
to shop right if you're always watching comic book movies they could suggest to you little merchandise from dc marvel comics something like that all of that is in a way it's manipulation and we're not really equipped to deal with that i don't think you can see it with the level of misinformation and fake news and everything on the internet is people don't know how to see when they're being manipulated not just through misinformation but also just through let's say these targeted advertising like you watch one video on youtube that's let's say mildly radical you know something that i don't know how to describe it but you watch one just one of those videos on youtube that's let's say trying to get you to see the world in a certain way like a conspiracy theory video or something and you get bombarded with more of those that are just kind of pushing you into this rabbit hole of more and more of what they think you want and i don't think we're really ready to deal with that so to start off with your interesting example about the genetic modification and stuff i mean i get your point but then i think there's also not to go off on a tangent here but i think there's also a certain element of ethics to it as well and and the same with the artificial intelligence as well so I mean, yeah, definitely when genetic modification comes into play, it won't be for making your kid smarter or stronger or giving him wings to fly or things like that. I think its inception will be very innocent and quite useful for millions of people, maybe even billions of people who are affected by certain genetic diseases or genetic, I guess, dis- not exactly disconfigurations, but some sort of genetic problems that they will be able to solve those or at least help it not get passed on to their children at least you know if it's like hereditary and i think this is where the corruption happens when we make it accessible to everybody it makes it very likely that people will use it for those kind of things you mentioned where you where people use it to get an edge over another person or you know just those those things you mentioned about making their kids smarter or um making their kids stronger and things like that i think those things come when society sort of adopts it but i think the in the beginning it will be meant to help people and i think that's kind of a noble thing but even then it won't be as you said accessible to everybody it'll be like people that can't afford it won't be able to solve their genetic problems and things like that but yeah the, the gap will definitely get wider but even now i think the gap is it's already pretty bad and mm, that could be something that ai could potentially solve if actually if people actually want to solve it like you said if elon musk and, um Facebook are actually trying to bridge this gap. I feel like having artificial intelligence and machine learning on their side will definitely help them speed up the process and get people on track with the new technologies that basically will help everybody. And you mentioned the solar storms and I think people have already acknowledged that in a way that they are prepared to make it so that the solar storms hopefully not affect us as not affect us as much as it would if if it happened like right now and i feel like there's a lot of infrastructural change that needs to happen if people actually take it seriously and that's going to be hard because it's like 
it's, it's basically sort of like an apocalyptic event because yeah, yeah every day we're in danger of some star exploding and from like light years away and we could it could it could possibly hit us with like a huge gamma ray and we could all be obliterated but then it's kind of hard to get people to take it seriously or take it into consideration now because it feels like it has a very unlikely chance of happening anytime soon but i, I definitely agree that if we're gonna depend on something which i think is gonna be inevitable i don't think we're going to come to a point where we're like yeah technology is making us too efficient and we need to know how to work without it because we've tried not working without it like we this is what this was i feel like a natural progression where we used our skills of survival to in order to help us survive better you know like i mean we've used our intelligence and our skills in order to make surviving easier for everybody or at least i mean yeah for basically everybody so we've seen our life without the technology and we definitely thought that having the technology would be better and it is better so we can kind of make it future proof but i don't think we will get to a point where we look at it as like a crutch and we're like um moving away from it and as for the the usage of the information that we either implicitly or explicitly give these companies that collect our data depending on who you ask i guess it could be either a really bad thing or a really good thing because i guess for the average person they kind of like those recommend i mean i think it definitely contributes to this consumerism where you know they just keep on showing you what you like like tempting you to buy that thing and then when you buy that just other things other little things that you you might want to buy because you bought those you bought that thing maybe like extensions or additions to it or you know something you can collect i don't know it it is very manipulative i think but it's happening today it seems like it's simply ignored but and like you said yeah even the youtube recommendations for example like not even youtube like even when i'm talking to somebody about something like with my phone maybe like on my table or something and all of a sudden i started getting ads on it on instagram or something like that it just freaks me out sometimes but definitely yeah it has to be kind of uh, a more thorough way of protecting our information yeah i guess some people might look at it as a good thing you know they're recommending something that you like but overall yeah i guess it does sound a bit uh, manipulative i think with new technologies it's they always seem innocent like when you launch some kind of a new technology and people think yeah it's probably going to be used for good because that's your intended purpose right but just like the internet came along and next thing you've got identity theft and hackers and everything you bring about this technology that has a very noble purpose i remember seeing an interview with a guy who started 4chan which is some people call it the cesspool of the internet it's just the worst place for the worst things you could ever see or hear on the internet and it started basically as an idea to promote free speech free unregulated speech you can say what you want without fear of judgment or prosecution or persecution and 
it's like it's one of those things that on paper you think yeah people would benefit a lot from the freedom to express themselves freely and then what happens there is that you start finding these conspiracy theories thriving you get a lot of hate speech people inciting violence and those people love those kind of platforms where you've basically said well yeah people can say whatever they want on this platform and i'm not gonna be the one to regulate it which is yes sure i'm definitely not one to say i would trust another human being to decide what should be and what shouldn't be acceptable speech because you know that's very you know that like people are corruptible and that can very easily go from someone removing hate speech to someone promoting their own views while burying opposing views so yeah it's a very fragile balance that you try to maintain on social media between giving people the freedom to say what they want it's like we've moved forward from a time when publishing companies and newspaper companies and everything they had the monopoly on what could be said right now anyone with a youtube channel or a podcast or a blog or a twitter account can just go there and say whatever they think and anyone can access it and sometimes these people are exposing real truths that certain people are trying to hide but you know sometimes they're just nut jobs who think everything should be a conspiracy so i think it's it's a risky enterprise when you create a new technology because you might have the most noble intentions but i think when we're developing new technology we should always ask ourselves what's the worst that could be done with this technology or what's the worst possible outcome because even when people talk of ai right you create this artificially intelligent system and you tell it okay we want to eradicate poverty right you tell it in the next 10 years there should be no more poor people on this planet i mean an easy solution can just be to kill all the poor people like it would be well within its rights to say well that's the easiest and fastest way to achieve this goal most efficient just kill them all obviously you're gonna set parameters but you set these parameters to let's say restrict its behavior to say okay it can't harm a human being but then that's also another problem like they always ask the question let's say with a self-driving car if its prime directive is to protect its passengers what happens if it has to choose between but it also it's also been told to like preserve human life if it has to choose between let's say a child on the road and the people in the car if you program it to say the least number of people or the least number of casualties then it's gonna think well i'm better off hitting the child because if i swerve and the four people in the car we crash into i don't know, like a semi truck or something then they all die and that's four people versus one person you see those kind of decisions it's when a human makes them you understand you say okay a human being can make this decision but when it comes to this AI it's so dependent on the people who've programmed it and that is always risky because we don't know what you prioritize as the programmer which is why I've, I feel like there should be a lot of ethical training given to let's say programmers and just people who are in software engineering and yeah I agree that there's definitely no turning back 
when it comes to technology it's not really something that people are just going to wake up and think hmm. you know i think this is too dangerous we should probably roll it back a bit i, I think that ship has sailed for a lot of reasons convenience profit people know that there's money to be made they're not just going to think hmm, sure let me go back to employing 20,000 people when i can employ 1,000 people and use robots for the rest and maximize my profits so yeah we're probably not going to go back so we should probably be thinking more about how we can go forward properly or the best way that we can go forward with technology that doesn't lead to something apocalyptic because it's like something with like i can use an example of something like data collection right and facial recognition when you talk of technologies that had good intentions right you think okay if we have facial recognition all over the place you know we can catch criminals you know crime rates are going to go down because you walk in the street you try to grab someone's purse or rob them or something it's like there's a camera that's going to see it's going to recognize you and there's going to be a database that's going to know who is this where do they live where can you find them and they can probably just track you with those cameras follow you from the scene of the crime to wherever you go and you think yeah that is good but at the same time these technologies can also be used by people who want to oppress people if you want to hunt down certain people it's it always now comes down to when you create a technology i think they should what should always be taken into account is what would happen if the worst possible person had this technology in their hands right and you think if someone who wants to use this technology that was created for a very noble purpose and they want to use it for the worst possible reasons and you allow that then that's kind of on you as the developer of this technology and i don't think you can say well it's not my fault i just created the technology as a lot of these tech companies like you mentioned with facebook they have tried that card which is well we just create the technology you know people use it how they want but we just providing a platform and it's like no you have to do something to create a i don't want to use the word safe space but you have to create a safe space for your users or at least make sure that your technology would not cause so much destruction in the wrong hands so as you said in its inception obviously the technology it's innocent it's kind of created to help other people you know make their life better or solve a unique problem that they might have or like you know, even solve a very general problem that people might have but i think it's very hard to predict or to gauge how bad things can be if they fall on the wrong hands like i'm not sure if facebook if my zuckerberg in his uh, dorm room while he created facebook thought could, could possibly think about what facebook is now it's just so i guess hard to predict how things will be if it falls onto the wrong hands and especially for something like facebook where you know everybody can use it like it's supposed to be something that connects people you know and i guess for any social platform that connects people the worst thing that could happen you could say is yeah somebody gets bullied on there and then they kill themselves yeah does that mean you've murdered someone for connecting people that's 
seems kind of harsh to say. It's like, yeah, ban all social media. That would be the option because any kind of connection that you build between two people can be used in a certain way where things like that could happen. So, I mean, it's it's hard to predict. It's hard to see. Like, if you really focus on the worst thing that could happen, yeah, I don't think we'll be developing any really new technology anytime soon. Like, even if you think about a game and you want to add a chat on it, mm, yeah, somebody could get bullied on the chat. Like, that's the worst that could happen. If you really think about the worst that could happen, yeah, maybe it has like a in-game purchases and you have to put a card in there or something. The worst case scenario, yeah, somebody hacks into it, steals all your money. Yeah, that's really bad. So like, no more games. Like, if you really think about the worst, worst case scenarios, then yeah, people are really capable of ruining everything. Literally everything, I think. And it can be a slippery slope when it comes to um, considering the worst of the worst when we're creating something new or bringing in, bringing new and new technology. And I think the best way to see it is really focus on making it very secure, you know, at least trying to prevent those things and before they happen instead of uh, judging our technology based on worst things that could happen because yeah a lot of things that are really bad can happen and even for ai yeah like people will say it starts to gain consciousness and i don't know take over the world or whatever and see humans as a virus to the planet earth and we ex- we get extinct because ai gets rid of us to preserve the world or something i don't know like worst case a lot of things a lot of bad things could happen but it's important to realize its potential and I guess really try your best to make it work in those interests. But I don't think, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, it's tough. I want to say that they wouldn't be fully responsible for all the bad things that happened because of the technology. I think their intent in the beginning should be considered, especially if on the contrary, like on the other side, if they've really helped a lot of people with it. So, yeah. Yeah, so when I say we should look at the worst case scenario with a potential technology, I don't mean in the sense that when we look at this worst case, then we say, hmm, okay, this technology is going to be really bad, so let's not make it. I think it's more of you knowing what the worst that can happen with your creation is so that you're prepared for that. And if you need to prepare some kind of regulation for it then you're ahead of it instead of being in a position where if it goes rogue or if someone takes control of it you know now hackers can take control of cars you know and you don't really want to be caught in that situation and you think oh snap why didn't i think of this and then now you have to try to figure out how to counter that so it's more of just you trying to get ahead of all of these potential misuses of your technology so that at the very least if things do go wrong you have a contingency plan because obviously you can't exhaust all the potential misuses of technology and there are a lot you know people will probably do things that you would never think of but i think this is exactly the reason why for example companies hire like some tech companies or if not all of them i'm pretty sure it's a lot of them that hire 
hackers to test the security of their systems, right? You hire, probably some of them are white hat, but some of them are black hat hackers and you get that person to expose all the flaws in your system so that you can be prepared for that, right? Because you don't want to put this thing out into the world and then this person with malicious intentions just exposes this very obvious flaw that was in your technology like when you talk of facebook how it's been used to radicalize people right it's something where you think well well mark this is something you should have at least thought would happen like i'm not saying expect the worst from people but expect the worst from people because even when you talk of social media right you're talking about how people can bully someone to the point of suicide yeah it's not even something that's straight out of black mirror or whatever it's something that happens in the world that we live in and you think well definitely i mean back in the past you had if you had a bully chasing after you you'd know that as soon as i leave the school i get into my parents car i go home i'm safe until tomorrow at least you get a chance to recover now it's on the internet and being on the internet is like it can't be taken down imagine you have an embarrassing picture or something that's people just throw out into the world these days i don't know something bad happens they think you're gonna mess up on stage or whatever people got their phones out already ready to post that on the internet why for likes people want likes and retweets and all that positive reinforcement for you to be able to be like yeah i'm the one who had that viral video of that person who embarrassed themselves on stage when they were trying to give a speech or sing or whatever and i feel like all of those are things that maybe they could not have known would happen certainly but could have at least considered you know to think okay if people have this unregulated because the other thing is that there's precedent for this it's not even the first time this has happened when the printing press was first made it wasn't just you know people printing ancient philosophical texts and shakespeare's poems and stories and plays and whatever it was misinformation too you know anyone who could access the printing press and i think it was gutenberg who got into a whole lot of these similar conversations to what mark zuckerberg has been having recently where he was saying it's not my job to regulate what people say with this platform that i'm providing and you don't just get to say yeah sure i gave these people this platform and whatever they do with it is up to them because you see a platform like twitter right twitter has at least made an effort it's not completely censoring what people are saying because i liked what they did with for example there was a time when donald trump was tweeting some false things and it wasn't an issue of them saying he's lying but deleting his tweets you know like no one can see them because then people say oh now you're censoring us you're saying now this you're choosing what gets to be seen by the people and what doesn't but i think their solution was very elegant because all they did was put a link between these tweets and say this tweet may contain some contestable information like the facts may not be true so here's an a source that 
explains the thing that he's talking about and i think it's it's a start the least that you can do when you have a platform like that you put a disclaimer right if i'm gonna be releasing a game with violence and all of that i'm not just gonna put it out into the world and say well you know whatever i'm gonna at least put a disclaimer on the cover and say this game should not be played by children under 13 or this game is violent so if you're gonna get it for a child know what you're getting into that kind of thing and i feel like that's at least a start that's something that you can do as a creator of a technology such that you're still providing your technology but you're making people aware of the risks and like with social media it's now it's become something that pretty much everyone knows that when your child is online they're not really safe you know you don't know who they could be talking to you don't know what that person wants but people are pretty relaxed about it because the people who are the regulators who are supposed to be regulating those technologies they're out there saying no it's safe you can make sure that we keep your children safe on this platform and there's a lot of evidence that shows that maybe they can't do that so i feel like we're constantly trying to find a balance between improving our technology but also not allowing it to spiral out of control in a way that ends up having more negative than positive results on people especially on the users like you don't want a new technology that's like oh yeah it's made everything so much more efficient you know like social media right we're saying people are so much more connected you can talk to people around the world anytime anywhere but there's the other side of it which we then say how do we deal with that and i think those are serious questions that we should be looking at going forward before we just openly embrace this full-on technological world where we say yeah you know everything is tech you've got your smart home smart devices smart car smart cities everything is just on the internet connected and maybe that might not be the best thing for us to do maybe it's we maybe we might want to figure out where we can draw a line yeah i definitely agree with most of what you said we definitely need to start asking those questions and i think for the most part with the technology that we do understand today those questions are being asked ethical hacking is pretty common i think testing network security and things like that that is normal nowadays like if you're going to be creating something that requires security then you are probably going to have to test it and see if people can easily hack into it or not before you actually let it onto the public and i think the problem is when the technology is so new that it creates new problems that didn't force because we all know how fast the technology can develop and, and people are obviously unpredictable and never really know how much damage they could do with it and as you said you did acknowledge that you can't really exhaust all the possibilities of you know the bad things that your technology can can bring in but i think for twitter and 
Facebook. I guess it's kind of trying to mimic a real life community where people interact with each other. And that is also naturally sometimes very vile. And things can get vile on social media, just like how it can get vile in real life. And they do, they did have, I mean, they still do have age screens. Like you can't, you have to be over 13 to get on either platform. And maybe there's a question of how well that's enforced. I mean, I think they check your Google account and you can lie about it, I guess. But yeah, I feel like as individuals and as parents, I guess, they they should kind of have a responsibility to to also do their part. Even if you're 13 or 14, the things on there can be really, um, (laughs) to say the least, scarring to see. I mean, things can get pretty bad on Facebook and Twitter. But as you also said, I I also really um, like what Twitter is doing, especially during this time about uh, with the misinformation about COVID and things like that, where they're actually labeling posts that could possibly contain misinformation and things like that, which I don't think Facebook is doing at the moment. But I do think Facebook do take down posts. But yeah, I'm not sure if it was something that they didn't foresee because of like neglect, but it was just something that we didn't really take into consideration as a society. And you know, with all the, you know, free speech kind of thing, not always so obvious which post you can take down or which post that you can label as misinformation because we're all individuals going through life anyway. The people that put in these parameters that say, oh, this is, this is not correct. I mean, this is the data here. And then there could equally be somebody who's like, yeah, but my source is different. This is why it's like, oh no, it's not true. This is true. Like, it's, it's not always so obvious, in my opinion, what is true and what is not. But it's, it's, it's up to the discretion of the regulators to label whatever they want as misinformation. But yeah, I think the problem is that Twitter and Facebook are getting too close to a real-life interaction where everybody can say anything and everybody is just... I mean, not everybody, but you get my point where everybody's just rude and people say stuff. So I guess if I would put it into words, I would say we, we need to detect the vile parts of humanity out of technology and I think we could see a lot of good from that. I mean, I don't know how, how to do that because I don't know how to separate those things. But overall, I think I would just like to state that the technology for the most part is innocent. It's just that when it comes to the way people use it, it, it can be bad. And I guess a pretty famous saying comes to mind, you know, this is why we can't have nice things. Well, yeah, uh, so that's my two cents on that topic. Yeah, maybe we don't deserve nice things, given how we use them. We use them against each other, and it's like even the most benign technology that you could come up with, someone may find a way to use that to harm the next person, especially with social media. I think it's so much easier to say the worst things because you're not looking at a person you know most people on social media it's just their avatars you know their profile picture their name it's nothing personal and you're not really viewing the person on the other side as a person but as something that needs to be crushed it's like one is that i think the competitive spirit of trying to crush the person on the other side and the other point is just you're trying to get likes you know you want that reinforcement of having that viral tweet like i've seen some pretty vile tweets that went viral and i just think 
why would you say that to someone though who you don't even know most probably that's just uncalled for but yeah that's just one aspect of our technology that we really need to stop and take a look at and there's so much more there that we should consider before we decide to fully embrace and live with all of this new technology but for now that's all on the subject we really hope you've enjoyed the conversation get in touch with us and let us know what you think on our instagram and twitter pages thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next one